Part Two, Chapter Five of the Magnificent Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Magnificent Adventure by Emerson Huff chapter five the appeal well done will clark said meriwether lewis when at length one cold winter morning they stood within the walls of the completed fortress now we can have our own fireplace and go on with our work in comfort the collection is growing splendidly yes mr jefferson will find that we have been busy rejoined clark the barge will go down well loaded in the spring they'll have the best of it downhill and over country they have crossed true mused lewis we are at a blank wall here we lack a guide now that is sure two interpreters we have who may or may not be of use but no one knows the country but now you know our other new interpreter the sullen chap chapinel that polygamous scamp with two or three indian wives yes and a surly brute he is well it seems that last summer chapinel married still another wife a girl not over sixteen years of age i should judge he bought her she was a slave a captive brought down from somewhere up the river by a war party she is a pleasant girl and always smiles she seems friendly to us see the moccasins she made for me but now and i only had to knock her husband down once for beating her lucky man grinned william clark i have knocked him down half a dozen times and she has made me no moccasins at all but what then so far as i can learn that indian girl is the only human being here who has ever seen the stony mountains the girl says that she was taken captive years ago somewhere near the summit of the stony mountains above here a great river comes in which they call the yellow rock river the rojoan juswan calls it very well many days or weeks journey toward the west this river comes again within a half day's march of the missouri that is near the summit of the mountains and this girl's people live there by the lord mern you're a genius for getting over the new country wait i find the child very bright very clear of mind and listen will the mind of a woman is better for small things than that of a man they pick up trifles and hang on to them i'd as soon trust that girl for a guide out yonder as any horse-stealing warrior 
in a hurry to get into a country and in a hurry to get out of it again raiding parties cling to the river curses which they know but she and her people must have been far to the west of any place these adventurers of the minnetakris ever saw seja away she calls herself the bird woman i swear i look upon that name itself as a good omen she has come back like a dove to the ark this bird woman william clark we shall reach the sea or at least you will do so will he concluded what do you mean mern surely if i do you will also i cannot be sure the florid face of william clark showed a frown of displeasure you are not as well as you should be you work too much that is not just to mr jefferson mern nor to our men nor to me it was for that reason i took you on doesn't a man have two lungs two arms two limbs two eyes we are those for mr jefferson even crippled the expedition will live you are as my own other hand i exult to see you every morning smiling out of your blankets hopeful and hungry meriwether lewis turned to his colleague with the sweet smile which sometimes his friend saw you see i am a fatalist he went on ah you laugh at me my people must have been owners of the second sight i have often told you humor me will bear with me don't question me too deep your flag will i know will be planted on the last parapet of life you were born to succeed for myself i still must remember what my mother told me something about the burden which would be too heavy the trail which would be long at times i doubt confound it mern you have not been yourself since you got that accursed letter in the night last summer it was unsettling i don't deny i pray heaven you'll never get another said william clark from a married woman too thank god i've no such affair on my mind it is taboo will that's one thing and clark growling anathemas on all women stalked away to find his axemen the snows had come soft and deep blown on the icy winds the horses of the mandans were housed in the lodges and lived on cottonwood instead of grass when the vast herds of buffalo came down from the broken hills into the shelter of the flats the men returned frost-bitten with their loads of meat the sky was dark the days were short 
to improve the morale of their men the leaders now plan certain festivities for them on christmas eve each man had his stocking well stuffed with such delicacies as the company stores afforded pepper salt dried fruits long cherished in the commissary such other knick-knacks as might be spared on christmas day Duillard brought out a fiddle a dance was ordered and went on all day long on the puncheon floor of the main cabin in moccasins and leggings with hair long and tunics belted close to their lean waists the white men danced to the tune of their own land the reel and hoedowns of old virginia and kentucky the sounds of revelry were heard by the mandans who came up to the gate white men make a medicine dance they said and knocked for entrance two women only were present the wife of jusame the squaw man and sakajawe the girl wife of shago the interpreter of the mandans these two had many presents the face of Sajarwe was wreathed in smiles. Always her eyes followed the tall form of Meriwether Lewis wherever he went. Her own husband was but her husband, and already she had elected Meriwether Lewis as her deity. When her husband thrashed her, always he thrashed her husband in her simple child's soul she consecrated herself to the task which he had assigned her yes when the grass came she would take these white men to her own people if they wanted to see the salt waters far to the west her people had heard of that then they should go there also the bird woman was very happy that christmas day the chief had thrashed charbonneau and had given her wonderful presents all the men danced but one the youth shannon who once more had met misfortune while hewing with the broad axe at one of the canoes he had had the misfortune to slash his foot so must lie in his bunk and watch the others keep the men going will said meriwether lewis i'll go to my room and get forward some letters which i want to write to my mother and to mr jefferson at least i can date them christmas day although providence alone knows when they may be dispatched or received he returned to his own quarters where he had erected a little desk at which he sometimes worked and sat down for a moment he remained in thought as the sound of the dancing still came to him glad to find his men so happy at length he spread open the back of his little leather writing-case unscrewed his inkhorn and set it safe drew his keen hunting-knife and put a point upon a goose-quill pen 
then he put away the many written pages which still lay in the portfolio the product of his daily labors searching for fair white paper his eye caught sight of a sealed and folded letter apparently long unnoticed here among the written and unwritten sheets in a flash he knew what it was once more the blood in his veins seemed to stop short to captain merriweather lewis in charge of the volunteers for the discovery of the west on the trail he knew what hand had written the words for one short instant he had a mad impulse to cast the letter into the fire then there came over him once more the feeling which oppressed him all his life that he was a helpless instrument in the hands of fate he broke the seal not noticing as he did so that it had a number scratched into the wax and read the letter which ran thus sir and friend i know not where these presents may find you or in what case once more i keep my promise not to let you go once more you shall see my face see it is looking up at you from the page tell me you see me now before you are other faces of women in your mind have they lost themselves as women's faces so often so soon are lost from a man's mind can you see me meriwether lewis your childhood friend do you remember the time you saved me from the cows in the lane at your father's farm when i was but a child on my first visit to far-off virginia you kissed me then to dry my tears you were a boy i was a child yet younger can you forget that time can you forget what you said i will always be there theodosia you said when you are in trouble you said it stoutly and i believed it as a child i believed you then i believe you now i still have the same child's faith in you my mother died while i was young my father has always been so busy i have scarcely have been a girl as you say you never were a boy you know my husband he has his own affairs but you always were my friend in so many ways it is true that i am laying a secret on your heart one which you must observe all your life my letter is for you and for no other eyes but now i come once more to you to hold you to your promise meriwether lewis come back to us by this time the trail surely is long enough we are counting absolutely on your return i heard mr mary tell my father and i may tell it to you that on your recall 
rested all hope of the success of our own cause on the lower mississippi for ourselves and for you if you do not come back to us as early as you can you condemn us to failure myself my life that of my father yourself also perhaps your delay may mean even more meriwether lewis i have to tell you that times are threatening for this republic relations between our country and great britain are strained to the breaking point mr mary says that if our cause on the lower mississippi shall not prevail his own country as soon as it can finish with napoleon will come against this republic once more both on the great lakes and at the mouth of the mississippi he says that your expedition into the west will split the country if it goes on it must be withdrawn or the gap must be mended by war you see then one of the sure results of this mad folly of thomas jefferson go on therefore if you would ruin me my father your own future but will you go on if you face possible ruin for your own country by so doing this i leave for you to say surely by now the main object of your expedition will have been accomplished surely you may return with all practical results of your labors in your hands were that not a wiser thing does not your duty lie toward the east and not further toward the west there is a limit beyond which not even a forlorn hope is asked to go when it assails a citadel not every general is dishonored though he does not complete the campaign laid out for him expeditions have failed and will fail with honor leaders of men have failed will fail with honor i do not call it failure for you to return to us and let the expedition go on there is a limit to what may be asked for a man there are two of you for mr jefferson but for us there is only one it is captain lewis and how shall i say it and not be misunderstood there is but one for her whose face you see i hope on this page what limit is there to the generosity of a man like you what limit to his desire to pay each duty to keep each promise that he has made in all his life will such a man forget his promise always kiss away the tears of that companion to whom he has come in rescue i am in trouble tears are in my eyes as i write do you forget that promise do you wish to make me yet happier the woman whom you have so many times made happy who has cherished so much ambition for you 
Merryweather Lewis, my friend, you who would have been my lover, for whom there is no hope, since fate has been so unkind, come back to us in your generosity, come back to me, even in your hopelessness. Will you always see me with tears in my eyes? Do you see me now? I swear tears fall, even as I write, and you promised always to kiss my tears away. Farewell until I see you again. May good fortune attend you always, wherever you go, in whatever direction you may travel, from us or toward us, from me or with me. Mary Weather Lewis sat, his face between his hands, staring down at what he saw. Should he go on, or should he hand over all to William Clark and return? Return to keep his promise, return to comfort as best he might, with the gift of all his life, that face which indeed he had left in tears by an unpardonable act of his own he owed her everything she could ask of him what must she think of him now that he was not only a dishonorable man but also a coward running away from the responsibility of what he had done no blow from the hands of fate could have given him more exquisite agony than this for a long time he never knew how long he sat thus staring pondering but at length with sudden energy he rose and flung open the door of the dancing-room will he called to his companion when william clark joined his friend in the outer air he saw the open letter in lewis's hand saw also the distress upon his countenance mern it's another letter from that woman i wish i had her here that i might wring her neck said william clark viciously who brought it i don't know Merryweather Lewis was folding up the letter. He placed it in the pocket of his coat with its fellow, received months ago. Will, said he at length, don't you recall what I was telling you this very morning? I felt something coming. I felt that fate had something more for me. You know I spoke in doubt. Listen, Mern, replied William Clark, there is no woman in the world worth the misery this one has put on you. It is a thing execrable, unspeakable. His friend looked him steadily in the eyes. Rebuke not her, but me, he said. This letter asks me to come back to kiss away a woman's tears. Will, I was the cause of those tears. I can tell you no more. What I did was a thing 
execrable, unspeakable. I, your friend, did that. William Clark, more genuinely troubled than ever in his life before, was dumb. My future is forfeited, Will, went on the same even, dull voice which Clark could scarcely recognize. But I have decided to go on through with you. End of part two, chapter five.